0: With an announcement expected imminently on the fate of the national freeze on student debt payments, pressure is mounting on the Biden administration to not only extend the moratorium, but also cancel a substantial amount of the crushing debt burden that tens of millions of people in the United States are under. How did we end up in a situation where borrowers have accumulated over $1.7 trillion in debt just because they wanted to get an education. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. We're very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com/ the Socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolff is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Well, Professor Wolf, we're talking just a little bit before this announcement by the Biden administration. The nationwide freeze on student debt repayments expires at the end of the month and the administration is about to make a decision about well two things. You know, one whether or not to extend that moratorium, extend that freeze on repayments, which is widely expected. And then there have been some media reports that suggest that in student debt cancellation is on the table and favored by some people in the administration. Just tell us what the situation is right now for student loan debtors in the United States, of which there are more than 40 million. Where did the freeze come from? What effect has it had and what might come next?
1: Okay, there are, as usual, long-term and short-term answers to these questions because there are long-term and short-term implications, to go over them in no particular order. The first, and that has to be kept in mind, is that the United States is one of relatively few advanced industrial countries that requires students to pay enormous amounts of money to get so-called higher education post-high school education. Just to make sure everybody understands, in Germany, the major economy of Europe, as it has been for a while now, tuition and basic fees to go to school are near zero. Technically, they're at zero. There are some minor fees that are charged, but it's basically free. You do have to cover your own room and board, but you would have had to do that whether you went to the university or not. The cost of the university education, and let me assure everyone, higher education in Germany is at least as good as what it is here in the United States. And so there's no sacrifice of quality. It's just free in one case and costly in another. There are half a dozen other European countries that basically have the same system. And almost nowhere, with perhaps the exception of Britain, and even there it's not as expensive as here, do we charge this kind of money for both private and public higher education. So it's an embarrassment that the United States, one of the richest countries in the world, functions in this way. It is self-defeating, because as almost everyone knows, the future of the United States in the world economy depends above all on the quality and the quantity of the students coming out of our colleges and universities. That's our educated labor force. It's not the only way to get an education. Working hard in a job is another way, but education provides a whole set of specialized capabilities and skills that have an enormous amount to do with how successful you are. The United States is therefore disinvesting in its own future by making college education this expensive. So that's the largest background to this horrible outcome, which has meant since the United States refuses politically and economically to provide free education above high school, even though, by the way, we provide it below high school. Why the 12th grade should be the cutoff point is anybody's guess. It's a kind of a lunacy. Makes no sense at all educationally, makes no sense fiscally either, but that's the way this country works. So we have imposed these enormous costs, even though over the last 40 years, We've developed a much more unequal society that is the vast majority of people unable to have their incomes keep up with this crazy rising cost of education. And the end result is obvious. If you want an education and your family doesn't have the ability to keep up with the rising costs of education, the solution is to borrow. Just like we can't afford our homes in this country, so we borrow for a mortgage, and we can't afford to buy our automobiles, so we borrow for the car payments, and we now can't even get along most of the time from basics. We have a credit card. Well, all we did in the last 25 years was add a whole nother layer of debt on top of mortgage, car payments, and credit cards, namely the student debt. And that's another embarrassment of capitalism as it has developed here in the United States. And then when the crash of 2020 hit, coupled over and worsened by the pandemic, well, then we got this act of a very lame government saying, okay, we won't do anything about the underlying problem of overcharging for education. We won't do anything about the underlying lack of a balance between what education costs and what the American working people can afford. We won't do anything about that. We won't do anything about the rising debt. I mean, for everybody who doesn't know, the total college debt now exceeds the total credit card debt in the United States. And that's been true for a few years. So we're talking about a mountain of debt here. All that the government did because of the crash and of COVID was to create this suspension of payment. There's a moratorium, you know, like we had on moratorium on evictions for people who couldn't cover their rent. We said to the students, the 43 or 44 million, last I looked, students in our country, you don't have to pay. The money you still owe, we're not liberating you from your debt, we're not doing anything to change what got you into the debt, we're just saying up until this point, and by the way, this point ends in a week from now, roughly, you don't have to pay what you normally would have to pay, that sits there waiting for us to declare the moratorium over, and then you'll have to resume paying. And we have countless evidence in the United States of the really severe suffering and life-changing decisions imposed on tens of millions of Americans. Every time you hear the phrase, we're free here in America. Try to imagine what 44 million of our fellow citizens are not free to do. They tell us they're not free to get married. They're not free to have children. They're not free to try to buy a home, start a family, all the rest of it, because they're laboring under a level of debt that literally makes all kinds of things unimaginable way beyond the budget capabilities of millions of Americans who therefore have to decide all kinds of things under duress, without freedom. I can't tell you just personally the number of students, because I'm a professor, I see students, I teach now, who come into my office and talk to me and begin to tell me, look, I'd love to take this or that course. I'm passionate about biology or I'm excited about learning about history, but I can't do that. I can't do what I love. I can't do what I would be really good at because I got to get rid of this student debt. I have to go quickly and get a job. I have to take a job that pays me a few thousand dollars a year more so I can get out from under the debt rather than do what I would love to do. And let me explain to everyone. After a lifetime of teaching, this is what I know. The student who really goes in there and studies what he or she loves ends up way happier, way more productive, and way better at whatever it is they're studying than a person who made a choice to crawl out from under a debt as part of what their education experience was. And that's why what the Germans and the Finns and so many others in Europe have been doing for years now, basically subsidizing higher education in the same way that they subsidize high school education, elementary education. The tragedy in this country is that we don't do those things, even though the suffering we cause as a result is huge and the benefits that these other countries enjoy, are equally huge. It's a tragedy on so many levels. It's hard not to, to overstate it when I'm asked the question.
0: Yeah, I just want to read some statistics, Professor Wolf. So there's, like I mentioned in the opening, $1.7 trillion in student loan debt, about $1.75 trillion. The majority of students who graduated in 2020 took out debt took out loans. 55% of people who got a bachelor's degree in 2020 are in student loan debt. The average amount of that debt is $28,400. There's 48 million people in the United States who have student loan debt. Not all of them are young people. I mean this debt stays with you for years and years and years, decades and decades and decades. A lot of people are seriously behind on their payments. of student loans were 90 days or more delinquent. The average monthly payment is about $300. Now this is of course before the freeze that's now up for extension or not. The average was $300, but of course averages can be deceiving and there are some people who are in extremely severe situations. But, But even still, I mean, this is like a huge burden on tens of millions of people. And under capitalism, that means that somebody is cashing in, right? I mean, who's getting rich off of these enormous sums of money that students are forced to take out to get an education?
1: Yes. Well, you know, it's a varied history. Different proportions of this debt are held by the government. In other words, the government is the lender in more and more of it over the recent years. But the private sector also participated. Then there are the companies that make money. By servicing the loans, the government often is free to hire or to commission private enterprise. There's a whole industry built up on this debt. I might also mention that if you are delinquent, after a certain point, this becomes part of your credit history. And as many Americans, and I'm sure many listening to this program know, you can be severely limited. In future choices you want to make, for example, buying a home or doing anything where your credit rating is taken into consideration by whoever you're doing business with, then you can suffer way after your student years are over with a credit rating that hounds and haunts you because of the problems you had servicing your debt. Here's another dimension of it. We have a troubled economy. Yes, our unemployment is low. We hear that every day because that's one of the few things anyone can point to about this economy that isn't a disaster. But here's the disastrous side. An enormous portion, more than ever, of the full employment that we're enjoying, I'm not counting the 3 or 4% of people that remain unemployed, nor am I counting the millions that are not counted and are out of the labor force. But even of those working now, a huge number are people working in fast food, in Starbucks, in Amazon, all of these industries that pay an amount of money per hour, whether it's above $15, the so-called target we talk about or below that, and there are millions below that, they're never going to pay their college loans back. And they know it because there's no way on the kinds of wages and salaries millions now have to live with that they can do it. So you are plunging them into a continual anxiety. Again, I see it in my office all the time because they're desperate and their desperation is because there is no exit. That's where the pressure comes. Relieve this craziness. You know, even in ancient religions, ancient Judaism and Christianity and many others, there are these things that have sometimes been called jubilees. In other words, those societies discovered after a while when they allowed debts to accumulate, that it was less disruptive of society to cancel the debt than not to, that the kinds of layers of suffering and distortions of people's decisions and costly social collapses associated with over-indebtedness, that you really would be better off canceling the debt. Kind of, you know, erase it all or let's start all over because we have allowed – This debt solution, this way of saying to the working class, we're not going to pay you enough to live your life in this country. We're going to dangle in front of you the American dream and the education that goes with it. We'll dangle it in front of you. We'll tell you how useful, how important, how productive you could become if you got yourself this education. And then we make it unaffordable. So you have to go into debt. And as everyone knows, if you buy something on time, you end up paying much more because to the price of what you're buying, you have to add the interest payments over all the years you take to pay that price. So the effective price on you is harder. And think what that means. It means the people least able to afford the education That costs, let's say, $25,000 a year. It costs more than that, but let's use that round number. The poorer you are, the more likely you need to borrow to pay for the $25,000 a year. And that means you have to add interest charges to the $25,000. So the poorer you are, the more likely you borrow, the more likely you will end up paying much more for the $25,000 a year education than the rich young man or woman who can pay the thing on the way in without borrowing. Here, here's the $25,000. I'm a student sitting right next to another person who, in effect, has to pay much, much more for the same education because they weren't rich enough to avoid borrowing. This is an injustice that ought to make your toes curl, that you live in a country that imposes this on, as you just told us, 48 million people.
0: Professor Wolf, let's talk a little bit about the politics now of this decision that Biden has to make. So, as you've laid out, this is a massive society wide problem. This is absolutely enormous. It's at the top of the minds of many, many millions of people. The Biden administration is very unpopular right now. I mean, the inflation crisis, the looming outright recession, and failure to fulfill core campaign promises. I mean, Biden even though his whole career, he's been a right winger, essentially, he made a lot of very progressive campaign promises, you know, saying that he would dramatically expand social programs, pass measures for racial and gender equality, you know, supporting immigration reform and supporting union rights. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And now the midterm elections are coming up. He's accomplished almost none of it. This seems to me, and it certainly seems this way to people in the administration too, that this is kind of Biden's last chance to make a big progressive gesture. $10,000 in student loan debt cancellation is not nearly enough, but it would be something major. It would be something that people really feel. Talk about that political calculation, if you would. I mean, what's your assessment of the situation that Biden finds himself in with this decision?
1: Well, there's no doubt in my mind from everything I can tell. I have no insider information, but from everything I can tell, the debate has been going on from the minute Biden became president, probably even before, what to do here. And obviously, the politically clever thing, if you think very superficially, would be, a yes, to give the students and the families of students a cash benefit cut the debt they owe by $10,000 or by 20 or by 50 or whatever it is, cancel it all. It doesn't really matter. It's a gift. It's full of symbolism. And they have enough control of the media to hype whatever they do as something that's enormous. Therefore, the important, interesting thing is something that was politically advantageous was, in fact, not done. That's the interesting question to ask. Why wasn't it? Why was the lame, and boy, I I use that word only because I don't want to violate the Federal Communications Commission's language rules of the media here, the lame decision to do nothing but simply postpone the moratorium. You don't have to pay until later. You still have to pay, and everything that made you pay, made you borrow in the first place, is still in place so that you'll have to borrow into the endless future, et cetera, et cetera. To do nothing more than this moratorium, and let me drive home the ugliness of it all. This moratorium has been extended, I don't know exactly how many times, three or four times, maybe more, just to really make the students sweat. They've had to sweat, I mean, even now. The student has to wonder if it isn't going to be extended again at the end of this month. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing? Just as the fall semester starts in colleges and universities, which it's doing literally as I speak, just at the beginning, we're going to smash the students in the face by requiring them to now resume paying what they surely cannot afford even as they borrow for the forthcoming semester. It's really beyond words what is being done here. Well, so what held them back? That's the question. And here's the answer. We are a more indebted capitalist economic system than we have ever been as a nation. That is the level of debt of the federal government, the level of debt of state and local governments, the level of debt of private corporations, and the level of debt of households. These are all at or beyond their records of the past. In other words, we have been borrowing like there's no tomorrow. And why is that important? Because it means that an enormous number of our people now, particularly our richest people, who have enough money to lend to anybody, are in the position of lending all of this money to enable all of these people in the United States to borrow all of this money. And it means they don't want to see their loans jeopardized. Let's be real blunt here. If you relieve the debts of students, you are inviting all of the other debtors in our society to say, hey, wait a minute. Am I not entitled to some help here? I'm a homeowner. I've got a home that I can barely cover, and I'm paying mortgage beyond anything I can hope to pay. Or I'm what we call a zombie corporation. I don't know if Americans understand. Roughly a one-fifth, 20% of our corporations do not earn enough profit to pay off the debts, the interest, not the whole debt that they now owe, which means that the only way these companies keep going is by borrowing even more to pay off the debts they accumulated in the past. I mean, there is a hunger for relief that goes far beyond the students and the fear of the wealthiest Americans who are the ones that have been lending to the rest of us. And ripping us off with the loans that they've made available. And by the way, most of them are corporations. And you know how they got the money to be able to lend? By not paying us wage increases over the last 40 years and giving us, instead of wage increases, loans, which we now suffer under. They don't want to see forgiveness. They've been telling the Biden administration, you will make a major enemy of corporate America, and of many others, because either they will clamor for relief, which you won't give, or if you don't give them relief, they'll begin to worry that there's insecurity in the debts that they have, that they may not get paid, not just by students, but by anybody else who's a borrower and has had to be a borrower over recent decades. In other words, you are taking a difficult economy, because we're in trouble in this economic system. Don't be fooled by all the language of recovery. And you're adding a whole new level of danger and lurking problems because you've let the debt thing get out of control. That's why the students are fighting back and more power to them. But you're skirting closer and closer To a calamity that has undone many other societies in the history of the human race. The calamity of an impossible tension between creditors and debtors. There's a reason why Shakespeare wrote in Hamlet, Neither a borrower nor a lender be, because in that process you undo everything that society and civilization have achieved. We are Playing with fire here, and right below the surface of student debt is the much bigger issue of an indebted society unable to continue to borrow like this, and yet unable to wean itself off what is an addiction.
0: Yeah, Professor. Well, you know the one of the first you know really mass movements that I participated in was the Occupy Wall Street protests in two thousand eleven. Student loan debt was really a huge part of that. You know, people had lots and lots of different grievances, of course, but student loan debt was really a significant central component to that mass movement and the motivation that many, many people had for coming out. At that point, it was about $1 trillion that students owed $1 trillion. That was the level of student loan debt. Now, here we are 10, 11 years later. That number is getting close to doubling, right? We're approaching $2 trillion now. I mean, could we see the same type of mass protests emerge again, combined with many other related grievances that people may have? But I mean, could this be something that sparks a movement? Absolutely. And
1: again, I just history is full of social movements begun by debtors the amazing thing of capitalism is it's got so many points of vulnerability. You could have a movement start because workers are angry about their wages. You can have a movement start because workers are angry about their job conditions, whether or not it's also about their wages. But sure, you've had explosive social movements starting because people didn't want to pay taxes. And so Also, interest to lenders has often been a source of impossibility. You know, you borrow, you are put in a condition where you can't pay back. The lender says, okay, I'll help you. I'll let you forego the interest payment, but we'll just call it an enlargement of your loan. Well, after a couple of decades of that, you're literally owned by the lender. In American history, we call that when the corporation sets up a store where the workers can go, and if you can't pay, well, we'll let you run up a tab. That used to be called, I'm owned by the company store. It was a famous American folk singer, Tennessee Ernie Ford, who made a famous record 30 years ago about, you know, I owe my soul to the company store, was the chorus line. So yeah, a student loan protest is as likely as any of these others to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, that one last squeezing of me that's one last too many, and now I explode. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to change society so it doesn't impose this endless layer of ripoff on top of it.
0: All right, we're going to have to leave it right there. We were joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He He's the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books. The latest being The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Check out his work at rdwolf.com. You have been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News.